Tim Fox, the founder of Fox Rehab. But I have to take a little personal license here to give a personal introduction to Tim, and you'll be hearing more about him. I met Tim, wow, almost 20 years ago, really in the infancy of Fox, and he reached out to me, we connected, and I ended up doing a continuing education program for Fox Rehab that I'm proud to say really set the stage for how they do therapy. We've always had a, a really a synergistic relationship ever since, and I like what Fox is doing. That's really the bottom line. And you know when I like something, I'm going to talk about it. So Fox Rehab is doing it right, and that's a really important thing because you all know that sometimes the clinic is struggling with that. But I think the other notable thing about Tim is that he got this idea of what the model that Fox Rehab does when he was in PT school. He was sitting there in management, and he was frustrated with Medicare and what Medicare was going to pay for and what they weren't going to pay for. And he started developing, so instead of paying attention, he was doodling and modeling and, and innovating. <laughs> They're all laughing, going, uh-huh. <laughs> he didn't want to settle for status quo. That is really important to me because I, you know I want you to change practice. Here's somebody that really has. It started in PT school, so it's not too early to start thinking about those things. So with no further ado, oh, Tim. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Avers. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you. Welcome to FoxCast Physical Therapy, a podcast for clinicians made by clinicians. It's brought to you by Fox Rehabilitation. Find out more at foxrehab.org. Welcome to FoxCast PT. I'm your host, physical therapist, Dr. Jimmy McKay. We are live at SUNY Upstate here in Syracuse, New York. Yeah! A lot of energy. want to thank Dr. Awesome. Dale Avers for inviting us out here. We're going to dig into some really unique topics today. And uh, first, I welcome to the show founder, CEO, but most importantly, physical therapist, Dr. Tim Fox. That's right. Thank you, Jimmy. Tim, we bring you on your show. Thank you for letting me host your show, That's by nice, the way. Yeah. <laughs> and we want to talk about your view on physical therapy. You started the practice 21 years ago. Where do you sit today? Still as inspired about the profession as a physical therapist as you were 21 years ago? Yeah, I'm inspired. I, I completely, you know, what, what drives me in the morning, what gets me out of bed in the morning is the, the ability to touch more lives. We, we, we established a practice that, that whose foundation and roots are just based on flat out clinical excellence. And it's just a result. I, I first want to start by saying how gosh darn lucky you are and fortunate to have a professor and instructor such as Dr. Dale Avers. Really. I really amazing. She, she, you know, you look at when you reflect in your life of like who, who touched your life, right? Who changed your life? And what were the people that made you who you are today and made me who I am today? One of those is Dr. Dale Avers. One of those is Dr. Mary Sinna, one of my mentors out of Temple University now, uh, Dr. Carol Lewis, Dr. Rita Wong, all those guys and gals that wrote the book, that wrote the book in geriatrics, right? That taught me how to practice, that level set, said, this is the bar where you're going to be. And we're going to talk about where do you want the bar to be in practice? Because I know I bump into clinicians even today that I'm like, is that how you're practicing? Is that really how you were trained to deliver that care? Because I know it wasn't. So why are you delivering it that way? And what are we going to do about it? Because it's frustrating. It's frustrating when you don't see other practitioners operating at the level where you know it's supposed to be. What do you do about it? It brings the entire profession down. 
And that's what drives me to keep that up. You got to stay encouraged. You got to stay positive. You got to stay motivated because you're the expert and you're the one that's got to cause that change. So you may bump into it. Some of those coming off fills and internships, right? You may bump into CIs that you're like, "Mm, this isn't really impressive to me, right? You're going to run into those situations throughout life. People that don't encourage you or lift you up or impress you. I think that's where you've got to self-reflect and say, hey, you know what? How am I going to learn from this situation? And how am I going to turn it around? How am I going to apply that to my life to make future situations better? And I think that's, that's, that's a professional, right? That's what it is that we do. It's applying that thought process, a logical thought process to learn from maybe things don't always go right. How am I going to make it go right? How am I going to change the way that I practice so that I can be a better influence on other professionals and other yeah. clinicians? Yeah, well said. You're going through the effort right? Three years, blood, sweat, tears, a lot of tears. You might as well practice at the top of your license. So here's a tough question. 21 years ago, when you're, when you're, when you're making this practice a reality, when everybody in the room or most people in the room are saying, you can't do that. No one does it like that. How do you say, this is the way I'm going? Jeez. It's just pure grit and determination, right? <laughs> I was frustrated. I started this practice on frustration. I, I saw a hole in, in the way that our nation's older adults were receiving care. And this is 20 years ago. So I was practicing uh, in a home health agency. I was uh, limited by, unfortunately, the regulation and policy that oversees Medicare Part A and home health. Even today, think about this. Think of the way that we're trained and educated. They don't line up. Under Medicare Part A regs, a clinician, a physical therapist can is seeing their patients an average of five to six visits over an episode of care. So, so an older adult leaves the hospital, leaves the post-acute with, what, five or more chronic conditions, 10 or more medications for those chronic conditions. They're medically complex, and all they're receiving is five visits from a physical therapist. How does that change physiology? You know what? It doesn't. There's a hole in the system, and that's what drove me to say, we got to figure this out. There's more than one way to skin this cat. So the care needed to be delivered in our client's home homes and residences. That was number one for sure. Why? It's accessibility, right? When's the last time you saw an outpatient clinic full of 85-year-olds that were visiting the clinic three to five days a week to be dosed properly with our interventions? It it doesn't happen because the level of accessibility, they they can't get there. The typical outpatient bricks and mortar clinic is seeing a 65, in the Medicare population, a 65, 67-year-old older adult, maybe with epicondylitis, some DJD, et cetera, right? Some back pain. Like that's, that's a traditional outpatient clinic model for older adults. But our, our, and that's an average age of 67 years old. Our clients at Fox are an average age of 85 years old, medically complex. There was a hole in the healthcare system. How, how are we going to serve these clients? So what I did really was dive into Medicare policy and regulation and say, there's got to be a way to get this done. So back in 1998, when I found the practice, there was a, uh, a policy within Medicare care regs that no one had discovered that said physical therapists in private practice could not only see their clients in a traditional outpatient setting, but also in their homes and residences. So I'm like, wait a minute, you can actually see an older adult, not just in an outpatient clinic under MedB, where you can dose them properly, but also in the homes and residences. So that was really a light bulb moment for the practice. I'm like, whoa, let's get this going. I remember knocking on physicians' doors and saying, hey, doc, you know, send me your most difficult patient. Tell me about the five most difficult patients that you saw today. Describe them to me. And then what did you do with them? He's like, I don't know. I hate when they come back. They're annoying. I write them a prescription for meds that makes them happy and they go away. I'm like, but that's not, 
that's not going anywhere for you. They just return and want more. So send me your most difficult client. Send me something with someone challenging. And that's, that's how the practice started. It's just, you've got to find a hole and, and, and fill the demand, right? And I think that's, that's encouraging. I think it's in everywhere of practice that for us as highly trained doctors of our profession, the opportunity is abundant. You've just got to see it. Number one, you got to come out of university and hone your craft and become darn good at what you do. And then the opportunities will just start flowing in. But you got to stay positive and you got to stay focused and you got to be a leader. That's how we survive. I like when you tell that story because it really, it shows, man, it shows a disconnect. A physician decided this older adult needed physical therapy. Great. Our physician partners valued what we did, but they were expected to show up at an outpatient clinic and they weren't. Patient is non-compliant. Bull. You didn't pay attention to the fact that maybe walking 150 feet to that clinic was too much. We had to change the model. Go to where your patient is. Like when you say it now, you're like, well, duh, it's obvious house calls, but it wasn't so obvious 21 years ago. Uh, it's not obvious today either. I think that's our most painful part of our, our practice is educating other supposedly well-trained healthcare professionals about indications for referral to therapy. It's like we have the tools, the tests, the measures to get ahead of things, to deliver a true healthcare model to our clients, right? We have the tools, the tests, the measures, have the sensitivity, specificity to rule in or rule out what it is, ever it is we're looking for. What kills me physical therapists today, and this is what I think it's sloppy of physical therapist practice, is that we're waiting for other healthcare practitioners to identify a functional limitation before they refer a patient. And our older adults are well down that slippery slope of functional decline. By the time a layperson has identified a functional decline, we need to get proactive as a profession and get on the ball and start talking about our skill sets, start talking about our license and our scope of practice about what it is that we truly can do. The world is waiting for this. They're hungry for us. They're really, really hungry for us. But my experience with physical therapists, we, we, we know we're good at what we do personally, but we don't talk about it. We don't scream about it. Other healthcare professionals do not know what it is that we do. We're able to identify conditions at the level of impairment, not waiting for a functional limitation to occur. We can really get ahead of things. And I think that's where I'm seeing the most tremendous impact among the physician community saying, listen, doc, you did a great job managing the chronic condition of your patient. Our clients are living longer thanks to modern medicine because modern medicine is, is managing those chronic conditions that were once the cause of their mortality. So we're seeing a longer lifespan, but one can be medically well, but functionally sick. Say that phrase again. That one's important. One, one can be medically well, but functionally sick sick. That's our typical older adult client. And that's where they get skipped over by the healthcare system because the chronic conditions are stable. No one's performing the functional screen or asking the functional question. What are you able to do? What were you able to do? That instantly drives me. If you want me to stop, this instantly gets me going. I tried. Into- <laughs> into the question of like pre-episodic level, right? Medicare asks you to, uh, and documentation asks you to talk about, identify the client's patient's pre-episodic level. Well, what is that? It wasn't 30 days ago. It wasn't 60 days ago. I think it was three, four years ago, a pre-episodic level, because my client has chronic conditions, multiple chronic conditions. When did they start first going down that slippery slope of functional decline? And then asking them, where do you want to be on it, Mrs. Smith? You know, we talk about age-based normative values. I don't care about the age-based normative values. Thank goodness they're there, right? And it's another tool. But asking your patient, where do you want to be and what do you want to do? And taking the time to draw that out of them. Because this is another fight that we fight every day is fighting ageism. Ageism is this looking at one of our clients and just seeing a wrinkly old lady, right? And nothing more. And you've got to ask yourself, where do you want to be? Because I'm going to live to be 100 years old. And you've got to ask your patients, ask yourself this. When you live to be 100 years old, what do you want to be doing on the weekend? What did you do last weekend that was physically active that you want to be doing when you're 100 years old? Because anything other, not thinking you're going to be able to do that is ageism. 
Because I want a Fox clinician taking care of me when I'm 100 years old because they're going to be dosing me properly. And they're going to understand the literature and understand how to apply it to practice. What do you want to do when you're, what do you, what do you want to do when you're, I want to ride my motocross bike. I want to do tabletop. Yeah. Yeah. Good on my dirt bike. You started this practice because of the people. You didn't start a practice because you wanted to be a businessman. You saw, no, a, no. you saw a missed opportunity to help a human and said, I can do that. We had a conversation a couple of years ago. Success to you when you launched Fox was what? What did it look like? I wanted to work with three other clinicians in my he, practice. He said he wanted to have a car full of three. him driving and a car full of colleagues. That would have been success. That's where it, do yeah. we where do we stand right now? Jeez. Gratefully, there's, I think there's, uh, in our professional private practice, we uh, work with, and I use, choose these words very deliberately, we work with another 1,800 yeah. clinicians in our practice. It happens so quickly, but it was grown on the intention of just, as, as, as number one, providing a better end user experience for our clients and patients, but also creating a, a great place to work and uh, one of the principles I learned early on in my career was uh, happy, well-trained clinicians make good healthcare. What kind of practice do you want to operate? What kind of healthcare organization do you want to operate? And in our mission statement, we do this very deliberately. And this is, this is where we have the power. Everybody, this is such a powerful room of people. I want to encourage you to, to, to walk out of here knowing that you are powerful in the healthcare system. We're an untapped resource in the healthcare system. I tell my clinicians, um, I speak to them regularly and we, we do, we'll do our podcasts and broadcasts and communications. And it's like my job as the founder and CEO for my staff, my obligation to them, we're a great organization is to leverage a great organization that produces produces great care to create personal, professional, and financial growth. It's like saying, who wants to make more money in this room? Like everybody's hands should go up, right? How are we going to leverage our, our skill set as, as physical therapists? There's sometimes we feel that we're, we're secondary on the healthcare chain or when in fact we're not. We're primary care non-physician practitioners going into the future healthcare system. And that's where I want you to leave here and encourage primary care non-physician practitioners in the home. As, as, as a Fox clinician, that's what we are all in this room. And whether you go into geriatrics or whatever area of specialty, I want you to be excited about that. Very integral part of the healthcare system and a completely untapped resource. There's the future. That's where the future lies. Words for the future, what do you look at in the future of physical therapy's profession? Uh, healthcare is indeed changing. And I know that, that terminology and those words, that sense has been thrown around so many times it's used and abused, but you, you're graduating and when you, you hit the clinic and get the opportunity to spend time with your patients, they, the, the dynamic truly is changing. The payer source is changing. Healthcare reform is changing payer. An older adult population that's growing exponentially, right? The Medicare population in the next five years is going to be 55% of that population is going to be in a Medicare Advantage plan, some kind of, some kind of managed Medicare plans. So the older adult population, right? Medicare Advantage plans make their money on the, on the young, old who are medically well, because they don't consume a lot of resources. But it's the old of old, a very small subset that are very expensive within Medicare Advantage population. I believe there's a tremendous opportunity for physical therapists within this area, because what we're finding out... So if I want to compare myself as a Fox clinician, I want to take my patient and say, what are my patient's outcomes? And how did a Medicare beneficiary treated by me, what were their outcomes compared to a Medicare beneficiary not treated by me? And we've got that data now. We were able to go into the Medicare data set and compare 100,000 Fox Medicare beneficiaries and compare those to another 700,000 non-Fox beneficiaries. What did it look like? So after I, after I treated one of my clients for an episode of care, discharged them, what did the Medicare spend look like on a Medicare beneficiary that was treated by Fox? Right now, we're seeing data of up to 9 to 16% in downstream cost savings 12 months after I discharged my patient compared to a patient that was not treated by me. What contributed to that 9% cost savings? You know what we did? 
Do you know what we did? It's really easy. We kept them out of the hospital. They didn't fall and they had reduced emergency department visits because we were actually, get this, communicating with the physician when we saw an adverse drug reaction. It's profound. Like our, we, our skill set is, is completely amazing. Our abilities in differential diagnosis, how you leave walking out of here into the healthcare world. You're so highly trained and highly skilled. Please cherish that skill set. Cherish your education here and, and use it and leverage it all you can and practice at the highest level of your license because we're damn good at what we do we're completely underutilized in the healthcare system so i, I see a tremendous future for, for us. that right. let's hear it for tim fox thank you jimmy thanks for listening to foxcast pt it's brought to you by fox rehabilitation fox clinicians work hard love their work and get the respect they deserve sound good then you'll love the autonomy to work in your own style and the support you get to achieve excellence plus freedom and flexibility to have a personal life whether it's your first day or you've been around for a while your contribution is acknowledged and rewarded that's what makes fox a success happy well-trained clinicians make great health care are you a fit for fox find out now at foxrehab.org